Welcome, Alternative News listeners. This is 91.7 KOOP Community Radio. This is bringing light into darkness, news, and analysis. I'm your host, Pedro Gatos, and we are transmitting from Austin, Texas, for your listening edification. Today is Friday, July the 2nd, 2021, and we will be rebroadcasting this show on Monday, July the 5th, 2021, from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We want to remind you that this is the 31st anniversary of the Americans with Disability Act, and we here at Co-op Radio are celebrating ADA all month long. Please join us. At koop.org, many of the shows are archived at pedrogatos.org. All comments are welcomed and can be sent to Pedro at pgatos00 at gmail.com. That's pgatos00 at gmail.com. This is our 63rd post-COVID show. A new world, but the same place. So stay tuned for a very informed and documented dialogue. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to have a recording of the show up on pedrogatos.org website for your closer scrutiny within the week. Again, thank you for joining us tonight, and thanks for inviting your friends to join us in future shows. So stay tuned. But first, in the battle of ideas, let's get ready to go to war. Today's show falls on Independence Day weekend 2021. And as this is Independence weekend, it should be incumbent on all Americans to remember what we got independence from. We got independence from the British crown, unfair taxation, and all other forms of oppression that come with being a colony. This show, Bringing Light into Darkness, is dedicated to unearthing different forms of oppression and unfairnesses, and tonight's show is no different. We believe Americans are compassionate and fair-minded people, and if they know the truth and it is inconsistent with fairness and an insult to it, they will motivate to make amends and correct it. However, as we have indicated on this show, the pathways of both written and electronic media communication are owned by elite interests that withhold the contradictory information that the show tries to unearth. As a result, the American public knows very little about its government and intelligence foreign policy issues and the different ways in which the American public are propagandized away from the truth. So this Independence Day, we ask everyone to remember what we sought independence from and be willing to acknowledge and call out government and corporate actions that contradict the founding principles of our nation. Enjoy. Good evening, Alternative News fans. This is your community radio station, 91.7. You can find us on the web at koop.org. This is Bringing Light into Darkness Monday News and Analysis. This is your host, Pedro Gatos, with my guest, Mike Whitney, from the Washington State area there. Mike, welcome to Bringing Light into Darkness. Thanks for having me, Pedro. Hey, man, it's Always great to have you. Mike Mike Whitney's he's an investigative journalist and he is one of these folks that I've followed for many, many years now because of over time his his reporting has been proven to be very accurate and in the ballpark of the truth of the matter, uh, time and time again when most people were lining up on the other side, so to speak. So I really have been so impressed with your good research in your investigative writing and stuff. And so it's a great pleasure to have you on the show tonight again. Let me just start by indicating, you know, this is Independence Weekend and today's Friday, 
July the 2nd. We are pre-taping a show with Mike that we are going to be broadcasting live on Monday, July the 5th, 2021, in just a couple of days. And I've been really concerned about the continued intelligence claims that are made, and then our media repeats them without providing proof time and time again. And we, we keep getting into the wrong end of a number of conflicts. And as an American public and culture, we keep being indoctrinated into hardened beliefs about third countries or personalities or leaders of third countries that have no or little basis in fact. The endless war is being fought like on two fronts. One is a reflection of the kind of ubiquitous military footprint only the United States has throughout the world. And many may want to deny this, but as David Vine, the American University professor, has documented in his work, we have some 700 military bases throughout the world, while Russia, who we claim is this great aggressor, has a dozen or less, with the vast majority of them being in former Soviet Union nations. Therefore, just as the sun never set on the British Empire, which reached its zenith around 1920, when it came to landmass, the sun never set on their conquered areas and colonies or under its control. But today, when it comes to our military bases, you could say the same thing. The sun never sets on our military bases because of the sheer number of them. And this is worth a moment to ponder because we are told and we are indoctrinated to falsely believe that is Russia that is the constant aggressor in the world today. But if we reasonably view the history since post-World War II, history of the United States, and we compare it to Russia's aggressions into third nations, there's a stark difference. We have to admit that in Vietnam, millions died due to our aggression. Just last month marked the 50th anniversary of the Pentagon Papers, which revealed the systemic lies that our intelligence and our government were feeding the American public. It is this systemic deceit that clearly has continued to this day. In Iraq, when you combine the U.S. aggression and the U.S.-led NATO sanctions, millions more died. The United States led NATO illegal overthrow of the Libyan government in 2011, led a country that had the best living conditions for the majority population measured by the Human Development Index on the whole continent of Africa to become a country that was turned into a killing field and a terrorist haven and also has the return of slavery has come back since our intervention. At Ukraine, our intervention and coup promotion in 2014 led to a coup government that had more than a half dozen neo-Nazis that we've documented on this show being appointed to and occupying cabinet-level positions. Marking for the first time since World War II a return of a a neo-Nazi-riddled government in the European theater. In Syria, a military opposition led by terrorists would have ended years ago, saving hundreds of thousands of Syrian deaths if it was not for the U.S. West-led funding and arming along with the Gulf monarchies, resources made and that allowed to be made to these terrorist groups and individuals. As a final note, our war on terror, since it has started, has had the result of allowing the spread rather than the elimination of terrorism worldwide. This begs serious questions. Before Saddam Hussein was overthrown, there was no terrorist presence of any substance in Iraq. Before we overthrew the government of Libya, the same could be said in Libya. Al-Qaeda despised both of those government leaders. And in Syria, the U.S. West enabled thousands of jihadists, tens of thousands 
of foreign fighters, jihadists, to pour into Syria to fight the U.S. fight to overthrow Assad. So this is a short and undeniable indictment of the aggression and mass killing our foreign policy is responsible for that Dr. King described in his epic 1967 Beyond Vietnam speech of April 4th as the United States is the greatest purveyor of violence in the world. Yet we are told and taught that no, it's Russia that's the great and unrelenting aggressor on the world stage. But who have they invaded? And who have they overthrown since World War II? And how does it compare to our aggressions? This is what the textbook definition and example of projection is, that we project onto other countries what perhaps we are guilty of. Just a couple of more comments here before we really get into the teeth of the information we want to share with you tonight. So first, create a historically ignorant majority population, which is brainwashed or incapable or unwilling to see the world as it is through basically when you look at our media, 90% of the media inputs that go to the American public are owned. The agents of those media outlets is owned by some six corporations. So the end result is that there's like a closed discourse of information based on this information control, if you will, by these corporate mass media entities. And out of that discourse of information, kept out of it as much of the stuff that we talk about on this show, and in keeping out of our discourses the responsibility of the carnage that not the Russian government has been responsible for, but what we are responsible for, because it's our foreign policy that has led this happen. And we are the United States citizens of that foreign policy. So I wanted to start the show off. Part of it, Mike, has to do with the claims that our media will put forth based on intelligence reports and those types of things. And many times these reports are from anonymous officials. And I wanted to start, if I could, I wanted to play this short clip. I don't know if you've heard this before, but one of the leading spokesmen in the State Department back in Obama's deal was John Kirby. And in 2016, February the 1st, 2016, at a State Department briefing, he gets into a back and forth for just, it's just a two-minute little clip where I want to play it, with a reporter asking to provide proof of the claims that we alleged that Russia had violated airspace, and that is what resulted in the Turkish shootdown of that Russian fighter plane, which resulted in the death of the Russian pilot, a violation of Turkish airspace that Russia vehemently denied. So I, I just wanted to use this as an example of the arrogance and disdain U.S. government foreign policy officials have when it comes to demanding evidence of their claims. Evidence demands of claims rarely queried by our mainstream media. Arrogance of our State Department officials. In this case, it's, it's John Kirby. So check this out. Again, this is from February 1st, 2016, following the shootdown of a Russian air pilot by Turkey. In exchange with John Kirby, who continues to be employed by the Biden administration's State Department as we speak. After Turkey claimed that a Russian jet violated its airspace last week, the Pentagon confirmed this on Saturday. Russia denies having crossed Turkish airspace and demands proof. Will the U.S. provide evidence? Uh, you know, one, you, 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 uh, you're so good at asking these questions that, that, that it's the United States' responsibility to provide proof of what Russia is doing, which I find incredibly comical. It's not our job to confirm for the Russians what that, they're doing. What I can say is, what I can say is, you go ahead and finish, and then when you're done, I'll talk. Go ahead. 
we are aware of reports, and we can confirm, uh, that on the 29th of January, another Russian combat aircraft violated Turkish and NATO airspace. As we stated uh, after past incidents, the United States joins NATO in standing in solidarity with Turkey, and we call on Russia to respect Turkish airspace and cease activities that risk further heightening instability in the region. It's important that the Russians and the Turks talk to each other and to take measures to prevent escalation. Russia denies having done that and, and to ask for proof. Will the U.S. provide proof? It's not, it's, not for, it's not our responsibility to provide proof to the Russians for something they did wrong. And is this that, is, hang on a second now. Sir. What I said in my last comment there, we want the Russians and the Turks to talk about this and to share the appropriate amount of information so that incidents like this won't happen again. But for our part, there's no doubt that they entered Turkish and therefore NATO airspace. No doubt at all. Is that a right to make an accusation and not provide evidence? It's not an accusation. It's a fact. It's a simple fact. Yes, sir. Based on what? Can you provide pictures of that? Anything? I've answered your question. This is a stunning and revealing exchange. First, Kudos to the reporter who asked the questions that are never asked. You know, show us the proof of your allegations. Kirby's words, quote, It's not our responsibility to provide proof to the Russians something they did wrong. When pressed by the reporter by her question, Is it all right to make an accusation and not provide evidence? Kirby completely avoids the question. By stating it's not an accusation, it's a fact, it's a simple fact. The reporter says, based on what? Can you provide pictures, anything? Kirby ends the exchange by saying, I have answered your questions, when in fact he is not. The result is we have an unaccountable foreign policy because there's the absence of checks and balances of simple evidence. Okay, Mike, so there you go. He just completely obviates the question to provide proof. What are your thoughts? We, we just don't get proof. And then when you ask for it, this is a good example of how he just circumvents the proof, but asserts that only he knows the truth. Yeah, it's, it's kind of ridiculous because, you know, the military, and they have very uh, sophisticated uh, radar uh, along the border there, and they could have provided whatever evidence that they were asked for. They just reject it because the press is expected just to operate within the range of questioning them that is acceptable, and beyond that, they just shrug them off as being insignificant. You remember the incident with MH17, the Malaysian Airlines airliner that was uh, shot down over eastern Ukraine, and, you know, Russia provided all of the radar and uh, surveillance, you know, photo photography that they had on the incident so they could clarify who actually shot down the airline. And the United States to this day still will not provide, even to the, the investigating committee, the relevant radar and uh, photography that they have of the incident actually happening. So I don't know why they routinely just stonewall, but the impression is that we're just too good to give you this information. So, you know, we're just going to tell you what happened, and if you don't accept it, well, that's too bad. Well, well that's a good example that you just gave, because the MH17, it turned out that who were the investigating countries? It included Ukraine, one, yeah. of, the, one of the potential actual suspects responsible for the horrific shootdown of the civilian airliner ukraine is on the jury but yeah i mean actually they were they were one of the potential perpetrators yet they were sitting in on this judgment yeah the, pan the panel that observed and gathered all the information and then uh, observed all the the radar 
photography, et cetera, was a, a seven-country panel, and the United States insisted that Ukraine be one of the members of that panel and that any one member could basically stop the investigation from moving forward. So they actually put the potential, you know, it'd be like having the O.J. Simpson trial and then having O.J. on the, tr- on the uh, jury at the same time. It was <laughs> thoroughly ridiculous, but people didn't know what was going on behind the scenes, so they had this, cosmetically, it looked like there was an honest investigation going on, but it was foiled from the very onset by Washington. Well, we're not pretending to know that we know the truth, but, you know, Robert Perry was putting out pieces that were brilliant pieces that was really very consistent with what you were saying. And I guess what I wanted to make clear is that regardless of we, that we don't really know the truth, everyone in the West and in the United States believes without a shadow of a doubt it was the, the separatists led by the uh, Russians that did it, yet there's not any of that evidence that's ever been made public to, to make that the case. No, but the, the trend in our media is because there's so many different media, Reuters, AP, New York Times, et cetera, et cetera, but they basically preach the same message that Russia is always wrong and the United States is always right, we get a very distorted view of, I mean, the objective account of what actually happens is never accounted for. But, you know, I'd like to comment on some of the things you said in your introduction, you know, because you did mention how many bases the United States, I mean, Russia has a grand total of two bases outside of its perimeter, outside of its landmass, and uh, the United States has more than 800 bases scattered in 62 countries around the world. And I would just ask your listeners to ask themselves a simple question. What does this have to do with providing security or safety or defense for the American people? It has nothing to do. These bases around the world are basically a a muscle-flexing exercise that's used because the military presence helps the United States achieve the political and economic objectives that it seeks. So that's the real purpose of these bases, is to achieve those objectives. And, you know, I mean, from Russia's perspective, uh, from 1990 on, the fall of the Berlin Wall, all they've seen is this constant expansion. Remember, they just got over World War II, okay, where they lost a horrific 27 million people. That ended in the division of Germany, so it would never happen again. And the fall of the Berlin Wall and the reunification of Germany, the United States promised Russian leaders, Gorbachev promised Russian leaders, and, and this is... Our own ambassador, Jack Matlock, testified to this, that, mm-hmm. you know, the United States promised they would never move eastward. And after that, they added, like, 17 additional countries, all of them pushing eastward onto Russia's border, added those 17 countries to NATO. Originally, there were only 12 countries in NATO, and now there are 30 countries, and all of those countries pushed eastward. So you have basically this military configuration that has always been a threat to Russia on its eastern, on its uh, western border, and they keep pushing relentlessly until you're finally in Ukraine and Georgia, and then they uh, try to coup, which many of your people probably are not even aware of, in Belarus last year, just a few months ago. Mm-hmm. So, and right now, okay, right now as we speak, but there's a major operation going on with 32 warships, 40 aircraft, 5,000 troops, and this is going on. 32 countries are uh, aligned behind NATO, but it's a United States and Ukraine operation in the Black Sea. Basically, in Russia's neighborhood right now, it's called Sea Breeze, and this thing is going on for the next two weeks, these live fire drills, basically on the proximity of uh, Russia's border, and, well, what, what 
you would call the Black Sea, basically a uh, Russian lake. And if this isn't a provocation, then what is? I mean, imagine mm-hmm. if the Russian fleet amassed in San Francisco Bay and started firing, uh, you know, carrying on live fire drills. I mean, people might be kind of upset. That's a great analogy. You know, I also wanted you to speak, and, and I think that's really important, what you just brought up, which is the conflict and the continued escalation of, of conflict with, with Russia. But to pivot back to our discussion of the deceit of our intelligence and government communications to the American public, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn was in the news for a long time during the whole R- Russiagate deal. And, and of course, they went after him very, very vigorously. And subsequently, there have been some judgments that he has shared on certain issues that are arguably matters of concern. However, when it comes to intelligence and counterintelligence, he has an impressive track record. Of particular significance, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, during the Obama administration from July of 2012 through August of 2014, was the Defense Intelligence Agency director. He also served as director of intelligence for the Joint Special Operations Command, JSOC, during the U.S. hunt for bin Laden, and for a short period of time was the 25th U.S. National Security Advisor for President Donald Trump. And I wanted to share with our audience, we've, we've talked about this before, but I think in the context of this discussion on just kind of bellicose world we live in now, that there was an interview with Lieutenant General Michael Flynn back in August of 2015. And it was Al Jazeera, Amede Hassan, interviewed Michael Flynn, and he was a former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, as, as most people should know. And it was on the heels of the release at the same time of a recently declassified 2012 DIA memo. And again, this is in 2015. And in that memo, it talked about the presence of jihadists fighting Assad in the Syria theater there. And despite the obvious proof of this report, which documented, among other things, that there were Salafists and Muslim Brotherhood and the Al-Qaeda in Iraq and all these major terrorist forces driving the insurgency in Syria were being supported by the West and Gulf countries. You know, we knew all that stuff, and we knew that they were active in that area according to this 2012 DIA document, right? Yet a, a year later, Secretary of State John Kerry in his congressional testimony to the Senate Foreign Relations Committee that was on September 3rd, 2013, in which he was promoting the authorization of U.S. military action against the Syrian government. For the alleged responsibility of the the August 21st, 2013 sarin gas attacks in El Gota, Syria, he misled Congress and the United States public when Senator Ron Johnson asked the question, what do we know about the opposition? I mean, what is it? Have we been tracking them for the last two years, I mean, it seems, and it is more of an impression I have as opposed to any exact knowledge, but it seems like initially the opposition was maybe a more Western-leaning, more moderate, more democratic, and as time went by, it's degraded and become infiltrated by the Al-Qaeda. Is that basically true or not? And this is where Kerry deceitfully misrepresented the truth. No, that is not, he said. These are his words. That is actually basically not true. It's basically incorrect. The opposition has increasingly become more defined by its moderation. 
more defined by the breadth of its membership and the more defined by its adherence to some, you know, democratic process and all-inclusive minority-protecting constitution, which will be broad-based and secular in respect to the future. This is all a big lie, Mike. And I wanted to ask you to comment. I know you're familiar with this deal, and we'll, we'll play it here for our audience in just a second. But can you kind of set up this four-minute interview portion it's actually from RT about this very issue of General Flynn and him basically calling out the United States and saying, we knew all along that this was a jihadist-led uh, rebellion, yet we've been told much differently from our leading government and intelligence officials since. Flynn didn't realize that what he was saying was so explicit that it was a, was going to be rejected so enthusiastically, but it, and it also led to his not only dismissal and falling out of favor with Obama, but his ultimate persecution when he was, you know, working under Trump. So they actually tried to destroy him for basically what he was saying, which he thought was kind of common knowledge. Because, I mean, to a lot of us, and you followed this for a long time, too, I mean, dating back to the 1970s and the development of the Mujahideen, and then the support for jihadists in Chechnya and the KLA in Serbia, and then uh, then again, we supported the same elements in, well, in the uh, Gaddafi affair in Libya, and then transported them to Syria. So there's been a long history of support for these people, and I think he thought he was just stating the obvious, you know, illicit, covert support for jihadist elements. So why don't we just go ahead and hear the quote? Yeah, let's do that. It's it's about four minutes long, and it's it's from this 2015 period, August 10th, that we were just talking about. But before we do, Mike, we need to take a quick pause for the cause here at 91.7 KOOP Hornsby Austin, the premier community radio station of the nation. This is bringing light into darkness with a special guest, Mike Whitney, and we will be back in just a flash to continue our show and play this very insightful clip featuring the deceit of U.S. foreign policy. So please stay tuned, and we'll be back in a flash. Don't touch that dial. 